Hello all, this is John Friso. I first met Matt at a meeting of Society of Professional Investigators. As I listened to his episodes of PI Perspectives, other guests were answering the very questions that I was looking for. PI Perspectives provides a wealth of information. Thank you, Matt. The Campbell Group offers best-in-the-industry pricing, service, and coverage for private investigators. With more than 25 years of experience in the industry and over 3,000 PIs insured nationally, the Campbell team has the expertise to make sure you have the coverage you need. Submit an application and receive a quote within 24 hours. Let them know you're a PI Perspectives listener on your application for $50 off your yearly premium. Are you an investigative professional with an international problem you can't solve? Conflict International has the knowledge and relationships to jump in for you. We compensate investigators for referring cases to our office. Contact us today for details. Conflict International uses insight, intelligence, investigation, risk management, and strategic solutions to solve problems troubling individuals and companies of all kinds anywhere around the world. Whether you're planning to hire a person to a position of trust, carry out due diligence on a company, trace hidden assets, or require skilled boots on the ground, Conflict International investigators can seamlessly pursue a case across borders, offering a truly global solution. Find out about our extensive range of services at conflictinternational.com. Conflict International, global reach, international knowledge. Welcome to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. We're going halfway across the world today to get a unique perspective from New Zealand private investigator, Dave Hannes. Working as a PI in this small country has its challenges, and today we're gonna to discuss some of those differences. So let's take a trip to Middle Earth. I can't carry it for you. I mean New Zealand. But I can carry you. Please welcome Dave Hannes. Come on. And your host, private investigator, Matt Spare. And welcome to the next episode of PI Perspectives. This is Matt Sperry, your host. Today, we're uh, we're going into different time zones. And, and I'm not talking like the two or three hour time zones. I'm talking like 16 hour time zones. Um, I got uh, contacted by a listener uh, who actually happens to be an investigator. And uh, we thought it'd be a really cool idea to get the perspective of somebody from not only a different country, but a different country on the other side of the world. So I want to welcome Dave Honus to the program. Dave, how are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Matt. Keeping well. So you are in New Zealand, right? That's right. Yep, yep. Right down the bottom of the world. 16-hour time difference from New York. Fantastic. Yeah, it works out all right, though. It's the end of your work day and the start of my weekend. So yeah, right, happy right. days. No one's right. in the middle of the night. Yeah, well, we're, we're literally in different days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is awesome. <laughs> I still can't wrap my head around that. <laughs> Um, so we're, we're going to talk about what it's like uh, to be an investigator in New Zealand. We're going to talk about your career, um, you know, what you did prior to starting your business and and how you got into the business. And you're you're newly into the business, so you're still kind of making your way. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate that you're a listener of the show and, and that you've actually found it helpful, uh, which inspires me to continue doing what I'm doing. So thank you for, for the support. Yeah, um, but let's, let's talk about you, man. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into the business. So I grew up in a policing family. Uh, Dad was a cop for like 30 years, and I was um, I was always interested in that, always wanted to do that. So as soon as I could, I joined, and I did 27 years. 
And the last 20, yeah, the last 20 of that was in the CIB, the Criminal Investigation Branch, so detective work. Uh, the last 13 of that was as a supervisor, a detective sergeant. So, mm-hmm. And you were working, working in a major city or what, what was the, uh, the force you were part of? Yeah, so we have a national police force. We don't have um, states and municipalities and what have you that you guys have. Right. That's just one police force. You can go anywhere in the country. So I joined, uh, started off in Hamilton, which is a provincial city, mm-hmm. um, and then I moved to South Auckland about an hour and a half north, which is the um, is the biggest policing district in the country. It's uh, high crime rate, high violence, all that sort of stuff. So really good training ground for detectives and uh, did my last 20 there. Right. Um, um, And then... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, I did my 27 years and uh, I wasn't burnt out or anything like that, but I just felt like I'd done everything that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd always had private investigation in my head as my exit plan um, and I knew a few PIs that had sort of mentored me and I'd, uh, a mate says, mate of mine said that I kind of did an apprenticeship for a couple of years of picking these guys' brains and learning about the industry and that sort of thing. Right. So I had it all square in my head that that's what I was going to do and right. uh, decided to set a date and make the move. So you actually like licensed? Do they have licenses there for investigators? Because I know some countries, they don't require you to be licensed. You can pretty much just call yourself an investigator. Yeah, uh, yeah, we do, and it's quite strict. So it's issued through the uh, Ministry of Justice, and um, they are quite strict on people who operate without one or people operating with one who uh, breach the regulations and that sort of thing. They uh, they'll crack down on you pretty hard. So gotcha. yeah, it's pretty police, so to speak. So prior to you getting into business and starting your own thing, and during your career in law enforcement, what were some of the major issues that you saw? Um, that you were dealing with like I, I like what is crime like over there what what, what would you say would be the, the hot button issue um things that really uh you saw a lot of investigative work domestic violence is big child abuse is big unfortunately we're one of the worst countries in the world for child abuse drugs and street violence you know all, there's all this stuff that you'd find in any major city in the states you'll find here it's just on a lesser scale because it's less people right. um but the sort of the LA gangbanger scene is a is definitely an influence here with our street gangs, mm-hmm. um, and we've also had issues with we call them the five hundred ones. They're um, criminals or undesirables deported from Australia. Our closest neighbour, uh, they had a really hardline immigration policy for a f- well, probably about ten years, I guess. Right. And um, under Section 501 of the Immigration Act, if they didn't like you and you had links to another country, like you were born here but raised there, they'd deport you and just say, right, you're gone, you're out of here. It's so we enough. ended up with all these really hardcore, <laughs> experienced criminals who have literally no links to our country being right. sent back here. So that sort of changed the face of organised crime in New Zealand uh, in, in the last decade or so. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so it's, uh, I mean, real, real, real world problems. Would you say like sef- sex trafficking and everything too is part of it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that is. Um, New Zealand's a pretty soft target, really. Mm-hmm. We're, um, you know, we don't have a border patrol per se, and we're just a bunch of islands. So if you get on a boat and head our way, you've got a pretty good chance of landing somewhere. And 
then you're away. So it's it is pretty easy, I th- I think, to uh, to traffic children or you know, essentially sex slaves into our country. Unfortunately, it's something we're more aware of. Right, but we're behind the eight ball. No, I, I think on a, on a global scale, you know, especially with with the internet and uh, you know all, all the uh, sites that are out there. Um, you're you're seeing more and more of a uh, of a push internationally for uh, organizations to try and stay on top of that. Working with law enforcement, um, yeah, there's some great people that that volunteer to to work on on uh, recovering and rescuing um, sex workers and things like that. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. So, how big is is the country, um, and how easy is it to get around? You mentioned islands and and things like that. So what? What's that like? Um, I don't know what the square mileage is, um, but we're essentially two two major islands with some small islands. So we're pretty simple folk, Matt. We call it the North Island and the South Island. Mm-hmm. So the North Island is um, the most heavily populated, and that's where Auckland is, where I am. Um, that's our biggest. Auckland is our biggest city. Wellington's our capital. That's the bottom of the North Island, and South Island is the one that you see mostly on TV shows. It's where they come to film. It's Lord of the, the Rings. <laughs> yeah, Lord of the Rings. They'll go to the Southern Alps, and right. it's all mountainous and beautiful terrain. So, um, But then they've only got, I don't know, about a million, million and a half people down there, and the other three and a half or four million are in the North Island. Right. right. Nobody's, yeah. uh, nobody's been living in uh, Hobbit uh, homes over there, right? Everyone's got regular houses, <laughs> They probably are. <laughs> Who knows, right? <laughs> Makes so, us sound very backward when I talk about it like this. <laughs> yeah. So I had just a, a completely irrelevant side story, which I think is really cool. A buddy of mine is he's a cop in Yonkers, New York. Um, he's a he's a good dude, and uh, he was actually in the film industry before he became a police officer, and um, he had just met his soon-to-be wife, um, future wife, right? And he had the opportunity to be a part of the filming of Lord of the Rings, like the whole trilogy, because they knocked out like oh, three wow. at once, right? So for him mm-hmm. to, to go on location for that, man, he was going to be away for a good amount of time. Um, and uh, he'd have to break up with a girl that he, that he had just met and was just starting to date. And uh, as the true romantic that he is, or was, he passed on going to the other side of the world to film this movie and ended up uh, getting married to this gal. And they got a bunch of kids and he's, he doesn't regret it, but it's like, man, that's a that's a big life choice. <laughs> and is, I'm pleased it worked out for him then, and she yeah. didn't dump him. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. They they actually worked out, and uh, you know, he's this is a guy like he he tells a story too about one time he was on a movie set or or shooting something, and and Katy Perry was like hitting on him, <laughs> which is so wow. bizarre. But I digress. Um, he, he's a good dude. He, he works in Yonkers and he, he actually does warrant searches now and bangs on doors and, and brings bad guys in, which is pretty neat. And, oh, cool. Yeah. Good friend of the show too. Um, so, so that's cool. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about just, um, you know, the, the idea, like what was the passion for you to say like, okay, I'm finishing up my career here. Like why private investigation? You, you could go any route. What, what drew you towards it? Um, I think it's the just the investigation side, you know, that's always interested me. Um, and policing was sort of a natural choice for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have any other skills. You know, I joined the police young. Um, 
I don't have a degree in anything. Nothing else really spins my wheels that much that I wanted to commit years to it. Right. Um, and it's just kind of a natural progression. Um, most of the PIs, I would say the majority of PIs in New Zealand are ex-police. Mm-hmm. Um, some ex-customs and that sort of thing, but mostly ex-cops because it is just that natural progression. You've got the investigative skill set, and although there are some differences that you know you need to transition, right. um, you kind of have the basics down pat. And if it's for most cops, I think, and it was for me, it wasn't the job so much that I got tired of. It was the bureaucracy and the organisation. Right. Sort of side of things. So the investigative um, stuff still spins my wheels, you know. So there was still the fire to do that. Right. I just didn't want to do it in that organization anymore. Right. Right. Too much red tape and, uh, you know, not, not having the freedom to, uh, I guess, chase a lead that you want to chase, right? Go in a direction. That yeah. You want. Yeah. Resourcing is a huge thing. Very under resourced. And uh, that unfortunately shows in the performance sometimes where things aren't done to the degree that they should be done. And that's something I've certainly found as a PI. Yeah. Is the legal system very similar to the the model of like England or, or even the United States where there, there are certain uh, solicitors, right? That you would have to present a case to and, and decide or they would make the decision on whether or not to proceed. Right. Uh, no, we're, um, our legal system is based largely on the UK with oddly some Canadian influence as well. Right. Um, so if you, as a police officer, you're investigating something or attend an incident and arrest somebody, um, you can lay the charge. As long as your supervisor approves it, then mm-hmm. you lay the charge and they appear in court. Um, the prosecution service then pick it up and they're part of police and they will run it forward from there. But then, again, they review it and they may well go, no, evidential sufficiency isn't there, so we're canning that, Um, or they'll run it through. So, yeah, you don't need permission, per se, to to start proceedings. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I guess the model's similar, right? You you present your findings and then somebody decides whether or not there's a a crime here or or, or something that's worth pursuing um, to, uh, to dig deep into that. Um, yeah. So, um, we're going to jump out and take a break here. And when we come back, I want to talk about some of the challenges of of being an investigator, um, in, in, um, your country and, um, you know, some of the challenges that you faced when you first started, um, you know, where the work comes from, um, how, how you can make a living doing this. Let's, Let's, let's dig in on all that and talk a little bit deeper. So uh, everybody sit tight and we will be right back. Check out the PI Institute of Education at PIinstitute.com. Since 1989, Kelly Riddle has been teaching on subjects such as surveillance, nursing home investigations, insurance fraud, domestic investigations, hidden assets, and accident scene investigations. The PI Institute of Education is a featured learning partner in the investigatorstoolbox.com. So check out the free content on the site, then visit the Institute for more great savings on additional classes. 
Are you an investigator that can't find the time for research, or are you stuck on a case that has given you issues? Satellite Investigations has a dedicated research team that specializes in skip tracing and defendant locates. Let our expert researchers use a balanced technique of research and pretext know-how to authenticate data and get you the answers you need. Contact us today by emailing us at newcase at satellitepi.com. Do you enjoy our podcast and the guests we bring you? Since 2019, Matt and his team have done their very best to give you amazing shows each week. If you feel like our show has helped you to be a better investigator, or maybe even inspired you to become an investigator, please let us know. We're looking for testimonials. Drop Matt an email with a recorded 20 to 30 seconds of you talking about this podcast. You can also email him something verbal about the website. His email is matthews at satellitepi.com. And if you really feel blessed for having this content, consider supporting Matt and our show by joining Investigators Toolbox. You really have to see version 2.0. And at just 49 cents a day, it's a no-brainer. Now let's jump in to this week's episode. And welcome back to PI Perspectives. This is Matt Sperry, your host. Uh, we are here with David Honus. Uh, Dave's in New Zealand, <laughs> all the way on the other side of the world. So welcome back to the program. You're still here. It's still a day later than, than me. So yeah. welcome back. Water white. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh, still, it's, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to start traveling a bit more for work and, um, you know, going through different time zones. I mean, like really going through di- different time zones. Like you don't realize how big, the world is till you start traveling yeah. around it, you know? Uh, and I've always been like a New York centric type person, you know? <laughs> and uh, now that I'm stepping out a bit, it's, uh, it's humbling and exciting at the same time. And it, I, I always like, I'm a member of the world association of detectives and I'd love, love meeting people that do what, what we do that are from different countries. I, I just find it fascinating. Very cool. Yeah. It's pretty good. Now things have opened up a bit and you can, get back out there oh right yeah with covid being over i mean that was that was a bummer everywhere um being being stuck so um so before we uh before we uh jumped out for the break we started to touch a little bit on uh, getting into um being a private investigator um and you had talked about you know there's some requirements you're you're, i guess audited or or there's a watchdog that's making sure that you're you're doing what you're uh, supposed to be doing um, talk to me a little bit about those requirements of, of actually getting your license. Is it something you have to take a test or you just have to have a certain amount of law enforcement ex- experience? How does that work? Yeah, it's a bit different to you guys. Um, so basically you have to prove that you have the essential background, uh, skills, knowledge and experience, I guess is really what they're looking for mm-hmm. or the opportunity to gain them. So um, essentially for ex-cops, um, the licensing authority know what the training is for police. And like I said, it's a national force, so it's standardised across the board. Um, so an ex-cop applying for a licence will essentially get rubber stamped for it because mm-hmm. they know that you have the skills for it, right. um, at least at some basic level. Um, if you don't have that background in law enforcement, then you've got to 
uh, prove that you have the skills, knowledge and experience from somewhere else, like, say, customs or the immigration service or some other investigative outfit or law enforcement type outfit. Yeah. If you don't have that, you can get taken on. They call it as an apprentice. It's not an apprenticeship as such, but you get taken on under the guidance of a licensed investigator who undertakes to train you and bring you up to speed. So they will license you as long as that is endorsed by that uh, licensee. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, so you, so could, uh, you could work on under someone's license and then eventually get licensed on your own. Is that is that what it is? Uh, no, they'll give you a, a certificate of approval to actually operate. Um, every individual doing inv- investigative work has to have yeah. at least that. So, um, so I did it for my wife, who has no law enforcement background, so that she could do some investigative work for the I'm company. I'm sure she's an expert. She's been listening to years and years of your crap, right? <laughs> Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, shut up, Dave. We've yeah. heard this before. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, man, our um, spouses that are not in this industry, I, I got to give them a special medal of honor because they really oh, do yeah. deal with the stories and and uh, you know what we go through. Um, I, I'm sure it's the same in law enforcement too. It's like you bring a lot of stuff home, and you have to talk about it to get it out of your system. So yeah, it's only natural. Yeah, you're qualified for sure. <laughs> We've had a few conversations where. Yeah, we've been doing the dishes or something, and I'll be talking away about something and realize I'm the only one talking. Right. And she'll just be sort of looking at me going, what the hell are you talking about? Right. Why do I need to know that? Right. Just don't oh, violate sorry, any, uh, any NDA. <laughs> yeah, no, no violation. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be good. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the legal aid system over there and um, you know, some of the challenges with that legal aid system as far as workflow and how you can make a living as an investigator. So break that down for me, how that works. So for um, for defendants who are pe- you know, people that are arrested and charged, they go to court if they, same as you guys, if they can't afford a lawyer, one gets provided for them. Mm-hmm. That's through a taxpayer-funded system called Legal Aid. Mm-hmm. So they will pay for a lawyer to carry out their, their function to defend somebody. And it also applies in the uh, family court as well for family court proceedings mm-hmm. um, to some degree. And as part of the preparation of a defence for a criminal matter or even for a family court matter, um, legal aid will fund investigative services or other professionals like, you know, say a psychological report or a drug and rehab type report, something like that. Right. Um, that all gets taxpayer funded. So PIs um, doing criminal defence work can get paid uh, through the legal aid system. Right. So, so all, it it all you know, works out. Somebody's got to get paid to do the work, right? Yeah, exactly. And you can't not do it. Um, yeah. It's a little bit. I found it a little bit odd to start with because I had no experience on that side of it, but. Mm-hmm. Defence lawyers explained it to me and said, well, look, you know, Joe Blow gets arrested and is going through court saying, hey, I didn't do it. He's got to have the opportunity to fairly defend himself. Um, He hasn't got the money to do that, so someone has to do it. And if he says, look, I've got these two people who were witnesses who can prove that I didn't do it, we've got to have the opportunity to interview them and put them in court to present their evidence. So you obviously need a PI to do that. So if if the state won't allow you to do that, 
then you know it's not really a fair justice system and it's an appeal point and all that sort of thing so right. essentially those reasonable inquiries for the defense have to be um funded and right. approved so how about the the yeah. civil side um like car accidents or or trip and fall negligence type cases what, what does that look like over there yeah, quite different to you. Um, we have a system called the Accident Compensation Corporation, which has been around for, I don't know, about 50 years. Who came up with that? So since, <laughs> oh, some bureaucrat probably got paid 100 grand for it. <laughs> um, essentially, you know, if you go, say, to the supermarket and the floor's wet and you slip and hurt your back, um, we don't go and sue the supermarket. Um, you just go to the doctor or the physio or whatever it is that you need, report your accident and ACC, um, cover your rehab and treatment. And it doesn't necessarily result in any action against the, the supermarket. So we don't have that sort of, um, I don't know what you call it, the, the suing industry that... Right, that, so there's there's no it. punitive damage, there's no punishment for negligence or anything like that. It's pretty much, I guess, it, you have some sort of national health care, is that how that how it works there or...? Or no? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to take civil action personally against, you know, say, the supermarket in that case, um, you can. That's up to you. I don't know whether you'd get state funding for that. I doubt it somehow, but uh, it certainly it does exist. Like that sort of thing does still happen, but just nowhere near on the scale that you guys have. It's more about the rehab and making sure people are How about okay. um how about commercial litigation, like one business suing another business for some sort of deal, bad business deals or things like that? Does that happen over there? Or? Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And there are probably the same as America. There's uh, lawyers that specialize in that civil stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't done any of that. There are some PIs that specialize in that. Right. Um, but it, yeah, it definitely exists. Right. But again, probably not on the scale that you guys have, I think. Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting to to see how um, you can navigate around that and 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 find a vertical particular specialty in the private side that yeah uh, you, you, you got to balance what your experience is what you're good at as to what's available to 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 do the work and then you have some challenges uh, as far as uh, data collection and and things like that right so there's um, you know some avenues are not available to you guys like criminal records right that's that's off the table. Yeah, that's right. The um, criminal records are very tightly held. So an individual can get their own records, um, and obviously law enforcement and some other government agencies have access. But uh, for us, we can't. We have to uh, request it through the police um, because our criminal record system is basically owned by the police and Ministry of Justice. Right. Um, yeah, you can't say for um, pre-employment screening, for example, you can't just tap into a database and see if Matt Spears is a criminal. Um, you have to ask him to get his records from the Ministry of Justice and right. give them to you. Right. I was yeah. kind of innocent. So that's uh, a little yeah. bit restrictive. Yeah, those, those charges didn't stick. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's so fascinating. How about like data providers, right? So, you know, you've got in Europe itself, the GDPR is a big challenge. You know, each country is different with what the, what's permissible and what's not permissible. Like how about doing address searches? Um, 
you know, locates and things like that. Is that something that you guys are able to do on your own or, or is it more like Canada where it's like almost impossible to do? <laughs> yeah, we're, we have uh, some limited access. It's pretty good to be fair. And we actually have access to some stuff that the police don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all provided through the likes of debt collection agencies, um, finance companies, uh, utility providers, you right. know, so if you you move house and open up a, a power account, then your name and address will get uploaded into a database. So as a licensed PI, if you become a member of our institute, the New Zealand Institute of Private Investigators, which is kind of our, our uh, association mm-hmm. um, for PIs, then you get some access to that um, so that if I'm looking for somebody and I've got a name or a last address, then I can do some searches and probably find a more recent address for them or a phone number or something like that. How is that um, network? Do people do people work together like the other investigators? Are they helpful or do you find it's uh, it's a tough nut to crack to, to get in with all that? Um, PIs don't, unless you're personally friends with somebody you kind of operate in your own little silo Mm -hmm. doing your thing um you may reach out to somebody else but you wouldn't necessarily ring another pi and go oh hey do you know so and so where can i find them Mm -hmm. um it's it's more doing your database searches and speaking to other people you know family or all your usual stuff you know your open source intel searching to try and locate people um, we also have some access to the motor vehicle database as well, but you have to be a member of the association to do that, to get that access. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, you, you get your, your number plates off Facebook photos and stuff, and you can do your searching and that sort of thing to find people. Probably similar to you guys, just a slightly different yeah. route, I guess. Yeah, each state in the United States is different. Some have them, some don't. Some you can get vehicle ownership and insurance information. Some you can just get ownership. Um, there are some states where, you know, you can just find a, a name that won't give you an address. It's uh, bizarre. Right. Um, yeah. it's, it's always changing, you know, which is, uh, you know, we have our associations that advocate for stuff like that, like, uh, you know, the National Council of Investigative Security Services. It was always, um, you know, watching those interests in the United States, um, which is important. Um, so is there continuing education required for uh, being an investigator or once you got your license, you're good to go? That's you done. Yeah. Once you're in the door, you're, you're good. Yeah. You read the license. Do they charge a fee for that? Or like a renewal fee or you just get it and you get it? Oh yeah. You pay for it. It's uh, there's different, different levels. You know, if you get a certificate or an individual license or a company license, mm-hmm. so you pay your one off fee for that. Um, and then that's you for, I think it's five years and then you renew it and pay again. It's right. not that expensive. It's, I don't know, a couple of hundred bucks, something like that. Right. Um, there's no annual fee or anything like that. That's good. So yeah, you can just sort of cancel it or retire it if you'd like and get out of the game. Right. So how about subcontractors? Uh, is there a lot of subcontracting work that gets done, um, where you, you're, uh, and contracting other investigators to help you out on cases. Yeah, there is, and I've I've used them uh, for overflow work because I'm, yeah, we're essentially uh, a one investigator firm with my wife doing some admin and um, bits and pieces. 
to to help me to help free me up to do the, the investigation. Right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> tells me right tomorrow. This is where you need to be. Exactly. Um, Wear this tie, but, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, when there's specialist things like say surveillance, I I can do surveillance to some degree, but it's not my specialty, and I don't particularly enjoy it. But there are guys out there that do it. So uh, you use them as subbies, give mm-hmm. them the surveillance aspect of a job. Um, or there's a couple of other PIs that I've used um, as subbies to, to say, hey, here's a job. Can you pick that up for me? Because I'm a bit sure. swamped at the moment. They'll pick I, that up and do it. I would I would assume that there's probably people from Australia that contact you too, right? Um, you know, looking for somebody who's absconded from from there to uh, to New Zealand, right? Does that happen? Yeah, there's a bit of a liaison between New Zealand and Aussie because we're pretty, uh, pretty back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's easy for Kiwis to move to Aussie and vice versa. Are your um, licenses recognised over there? Your PI licenses, or you'd have to be licensed to do both. Got to be licensed over there, and um, and they have their own states as well. So there, you know, you might be licensed in Queensland but can't operate in Victoria, for example. Um, so there is a bit of interaction with them. Right. Um, do you, do you find a lot of yeah, work sorry. that comes from over there for you, for you or, or not really? No, no, I think I've had one and it was just a locate um, yeah. and not a, you know, nothing, nothing major. Just can you find this person who's a member of this family? Sure. Um, and that was about it. Sure. What were some of the challenges when you started uh, doing your own business? Uh, or the, the business side of it, really, running the business, you know, like you know how to investigate stuff and you can talk to people and all that, but... um doesn't get easier, by the way. It, it definitely <laughs> doesn't get easier. <laughs> i got some bad news for you. <laughs> the longer you've been doing yeah. this, the bigger you get, it doesn't get easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just that business side of things, you know, dealing with the accountant and making sure you've got your taxes squared away and insurances and all that sort of thing and what knowing what you can legally do, you know, operating under a business name as opposed to an individual and all that sort of thing. Right. The whole running a business side of it was a learning curve. Um, so I was fortunate that I had some PIs who'd been in the game for a while who could mentor me through that. And that's um, that's and through that account association, right, that, that you're a part of? Yeah, although they were actually uh, guys that I knew personally. Mm-hmm. Um, they are members of the association as well, but they're, uh, like sort of the generation ahead of me that um, had been in the police and had left and gone to the PI industry um, yeah. and got a good accountant who actually has another PI firm as clients. So he knew how it all worked right. and he's been fantastic. So, yeah, the business side was the biggest challenge. Um, getting used to working on my own was uh, a bit different to being in a busy you know, detective squad office where there's lots of stuff going on and people – doing things and wanting this and that all the time. Um, so, yeah, not working as part of a team was a bit of a change. But uh, to be fair, after looking after teams for so long, it was quite a good change Right. because I didn't have people coming up every five minutes going, oh, Dave, how do I do this? Dave, can you right. do this for me? And yeah. you're going, I just need 20 minutes to do one job, and it takes you all day. So <laughs> a bit of a change there. Now you just have your spouse doing that. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different kind of uh, <laughs> different kind of honeydew list, though. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and 
probably there's definitely a mindset change, I think, coming out of law enforcement into the private industry where you're not running around with a badge anymore. You don't have the authority of the state behind you to do stuff. Um, people don't actually have to do what you tell them. You know, you have to ask them, not tell them. Yeah. So definitely a mindset change there and sort of learning those soft skills that yeah. you don't necessarily use yeah. that much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, learning how to talk to people. It's uh, that's definitely, I, I've seen that in the industry, people that have come to work, even in my office, you know, just, just learning how to change their perspective on things. Um, understanding that it, it's not necessarily a crime you're looking at anymore. You're looking at more negligence and who's responsible for what, um, and, and just, you know, learning how to talk to people differently. Um, although there are some situations that you get in when you, you're a little more forceful that you get what you're, you're looking for too. So it's like being able yep. to read the situation and being flexible uh, to develop information in different ways. But that social engineering skill is so, so important. Um, you know, especially when y- you don't have subpoena power behind you, you don't have, you know, Hey, I'm going to lock you up or, you know, your threats are pretty much idle, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I'm going to be, uh, I'm just going to keep calling you and annoying you till you give me what I need. Right. That, that's the only thing I can tell oh, you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting on your and porch. <laughs> and sort of getting used to that um you're doing criminal defense work you're dealing with the same people that you did in police but from a different angle and because you sort of still look and talk and sound like a cop people think that you're a cop when you turn up and knock on the door quite often say there's that natural barrier comes up straight away Mm -hmm. and you're one of my most common phrases is, hey, I'm not the police. I'm working for so-and-so's lawyer to right. help them. Right. And you have to try and convince people who aren't always that trusting that you are actually trying to help them. You're not there to hurt their mates or yeah. their son or whatever it is. doesn't happen um, when, you, when you look copy too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that sort of that transition away to um, to just being – just a guy, just a private individual um, rolling out and knocking on doors without a radio and a taser and all that sort of stuff that, sure. you know, 20 cops that are waiting around the corner to come and help you. Right. That's a bit of a change. You know, you're, you're going into some fairly sketchy environments sometimes. Right. Um, and you're kind of just relying on your animal instincts, really, rather than any statutory powers. So that's a little bit of a change. You've got to operate a little bit smarter, I think. So is, is New Zealand similar to England? Or is it no firearms? Everything's uh, tasers and billy clubs and all that? <laughs> billy clubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we. Uh, it's um, essentially an unarmed force, right. but they have firearms in the vehicles and lockboxes. Okay. So um, all the patrol vehicles have them, and it's up to the individual officer when you're going to a job, if your risk assessment is that you need to draw your firearm and carry it, then that's what you do. Right. Um, but yeah, essentially unarmed. Yeah, the, the sound of a shotgun racking you know, tends to get people to cooperate in those situations. Yeah. <laughs> um, how, how about on the private side? Are, are private investigators allowed to carry or, or not really? No, no, the firearms licensing here is really strict, yeah. um, particularly after we had a terror attack at I a mosque. That. 
Yeah, I remember. 2019, yeah. So that uh, that changed the game again. Right. And um, there are a lot of firearms out there, like the criminal fraternity, uh, well-armed. Um, but pistol shooting is not a big thing in New Zealand. You can do it. You have to be licensed to do that particular activity. Um, but, yeah, concealed carry and that sort of thing, nah, no way. If you, yeah, even if you're going to the gun club, um, legitimately, your weapons got to be secured in your car properly, and all that sort of thing. You know, you, you can't just walk down the road with your with a couple of shooters in your hand to go and have a shoot up. That's you'll end up getting locked up. Sure. Um, uh, do they have a lot of problems with with knives and stabbings and stuff, or not really? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely knife crime. It's not as big an issue, I think, as the UK have. That seems to be a big thing for them. But uh, yeah, knives. There's a lot of knives around. A lot of guns. A lot of improvised weapons. Right. You know, shanks and that sort of thing, or just a lump of wood. You know, if there's a if a fight breaks out, someone will just pull a paling off a fence and hit someone with it. Those damn hobbits. I'm gonna watch those hobbits. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty <laughs> basic, man. Pretty stab basic. You, <laughs> stab you in the kneecap, those hobbits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bite your ankle. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. And on that note, I think we're gonna wind down here. Uh, Dave, this was awesome. It, it was so great to to chat with you, uh, and I'm so happy that you reached out to me. Um, and you're like, hey, let's let's chat. You know, let's let's do an episode. Um, I'm I'm always down to talk to new people and different people, and, and you know, and, and getting the, the different perspective of somebody, right? PI perspectives. That's the name of the show. Uh, we want to you know get the voices from all over the world. Um, so this was educational for me. Um, and uh, I I thought it was really cool. So I, I appreciate you sacrificing yep. your your weekend because it's the weekend for you here right now to uh, to get on a chat with me. So um, how, how, how do folks how do they get a hold of you if they uh, have any questions? Oh, my company is Focus Investigations. So just focusinvestigations.nz. Just jump onto that or mm-hmm. Dave at focusinvestigations.nz. And Are you me on? Line. Well, you're you're on LinkedIn, I think, uh, or, or are you yep. on LinkedIn? Yeah, okay. yeah, Dave Honus, H O N I double S. Um, yeah, they can jump on and fire a question through or whatever they want. But thanks for having me, man. I like yeah. I said, it's um, I've listened to you for so many hours. I felt like I knew you. Right. Um, yeah. so this good. A, is that good or bad? I don't know. <laughs> that's good. That's good. You've I feel like I owe you an apology. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, awesome. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, no, this is great. This is great. Um, So thank you everybody for tuning in and checking this out. And uh, we'll be back next week with the next show. Uh, So uh, again, thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks Dave for hopping on. I'm sure that 16 hour time difference is pretty exhausting. So we appreciate your time. Lots of great insight on this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you also to Campbell Insurance Group for sponsoring our show. And remember to tell them you listen to us to save 50 bucks when you apply for insurance. Additional thanks to PI Institute for Education, Satellite Investigations, and Conflict International for making these podcasts possible. Also, don't forget about InvestigatorsToolbox.com. You can type in version 2.0, 25% to save $50 when you do join. If you have a question or a comment about the show, email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com. And you can find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We want your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. And we'll be back again next week with a new show. So make sure you tune in. Stay safe out there.